It's Sunday afternoon. It's time for the Seattle After Party! Woo! Woo! Today, our guest is Jonathan Tweet, returning to talk grandmother fish and more. And the host for today's show is Jakiva Phillips. That's me. All right. Jakiva, take it away. Okay. Um, well, Jonathan, I'm so glad that you're back. I think uh, I interviewed you last time, too, so we can catch up on a lot of stuff with what's going on and everything. That's right. Yeah. Um, the book launch for Grandmother Fish is happening on Tuesday. Exciting! Really exciting. Yeah. yeah. In fact, you passed up tickets to Bumbershoot just for this. That's, I mean, that's how dedicated you are to your Grandmother Fish commitment. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming in and dropping in to see us to talk a little bit more about it. So thank you. Yeah, I like you guys. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, Who do you like more, me or Daryl? Uh, oh, Daryl is the yeah, he's obviously the, the head honcho and mastermind behind yeah, the whole thing, that's right? that's exactly and what I every, thought, everybody, too. Everybody <laughs> listening at home, just know that Jonathan was pointing at Takiva the whole time. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when I, before was I was getting the podcast prepped and ready, and I was in the theater by myself, I took it a lonely picture and I posted it up on on the on our the Seattle After Party Facebook page like this is the glamour of being, being of running a podcast I'm like in the theater alone eating jack in the box a <laughs> <laughs> show business yeah right specifically jack in the box I don't know I think out of all of them though I think the saddest would probably just be like Taco Bell like you ever see like Which a I've Taco Bell? Which I've also been alone in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I stepped it up. This the podcast is getting better. I can tell. I've made it to Jack in the Box. Just wait till you get to Burger King, man. Then you know you've made it. You've made it at that point. No, uh, I was just recently in Alaska, and so uh, it was really early in the morning because I got there at like you know two a.m. or something. And uh, Graham was driving me, and he's just like, yeah, you want to go to Taco Bell? It's the only place open. And I was like, oh, I am really hungry. And just the saddest thing in the world was, like, looking at my nachos. <laughs> just like, it was just like this crappy nacho cheese. Like, and then, like, these, quote-unquote, chicken nugget pieces. And I was like, this is, this is probably the saddest part of my life right at this moment. Yeah. So, you know. But then it ended up being awesome. So, the, uh, Alaska or Taco Bell? The oats, Alaska, not the Taco Bell. <laughs> that didn't change. But I'm sure you can agree with me, Daryl. Like Taco the podcast Bell. is great, but the Taco Bell beforehand is just is just the saddest. Taco Bell, not a sponsor of the Seattle After Party. <laughs> 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 All right. Um. So now that we've gotten Taco Bell to never want to endorse the podcast, let's jump into uh, it's the. Gonna, it's going to work game. really well. I really want Taco Del Mar to, to advertise on the podcast. Why? Their chicken is so much sad. Okay, okay. Taco I love Taco Del Mar. Ta- we, will can not we knock all Taco agree Del Mar. that Taco Time is the best? Go ahead, Jonathan. Like my my daughter when she was little would certainly have agreed with you. Tato Time. <laughs> Tato Time. <laughs> Tato Time. I love that. I love. I so love. Cute. All I right. S- all right, so <laughs> match game. <laughs> Let's get into uh, the actual match game portion. And as always, we start off uh, with the normal round and move on to the lightning round. Jonathan, you remember how this is played, right? Oh, vaguely. All right. It's just cla- it's like the old classic show. Uh, so we'll do like one uh, quick example round. Like if I said, um, Alice decided to go down another strange hole, but instead of finding Wonderland, this time she found blank. 
and then we'd fill in the blank together. And if we match, that means we're friends. If we match twice, it means we're lovers. If we match three times, it means one of us is pregnant. Gotcha. I love this game. All right. That's it. <laughs> just like the old rules. All right. right. So. <laughs> it sounds, yeah, sounds just like, just like the 70s match game. <laughs> or, or maybe it's the match game with Ross Schaefer in the 90s. I'm not sure. Um. All right. So the first one is, it's Labor Day weekend, and most people in Seattle will be celebrating by blanking. Hmm. It's Labor Day weekend, and most people in Seattle will be celebrating by blanking. And as we're filling in the time here, I, I just want to say that when you're done celebrating and you want to share all your pictures on Facebook of all your celebrations, make sure that you also like Seattle After Party on Facebook. That's right. Just look up Seattle After Party on Facebook and like us so that you can follow all our episodes when they come out and see all the pictures of our great episodes as they're recorded live. Okay, so we have, it's Labor Day weekend, and most people in Seattle will be celebrating by blanking. So we'll go to Jonathan first, our guest of honor. Oh, well, I've been in Seattle for 20 years, uh, and I think what people do on holiday weekends around here is um, freezing out their acquaintances. <laughs> okay, um, very much in the Seattle tradition. All right, Daryl, what did you have? Uh, I, I wrote um, cooking frozen burritos, because I was thinking about, like... Uh, Josh Chambers. <laughs> I, I really just had this thought of like, he was really talking a lot about burritos at Bumbershoot. And so I just thought he would, that, that's, you know, kind of a sad version of things, which is oftentimes with Josh Chambers. I love you, Josh. I'm very sorry for saying this, but that was what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you uh, out there in the podcast world, uh, Josh Chambers is one of our beloved CSC Seattle players. He's also a really great stand-up comedian. Uh, very, very wonderful also, a little sad, but aren't all comedians, so, you know. <laughs> uh, but my answer was, uh, it's Labor Day weekend, and most people in Seattle will be celebrating by uh, live-tweeting packs and bumbershoot Oh, yeah, that's oh, actually yeah. pretty much exactly what's happening. In that my... is legit, like, all of my Facebook. It's just, like, <laughs> blowed up, like, little gifts and tweets, and I was like, it's too much, it's too much in this world. Yeah, you win that round, Chiquiva. You, you win that round. Thank you. You're in love with yourself. No, you're friends with yourself. I'm friends with myself. But which one of us is going to be pregnant? Myself or myself? Let's figure this out with the next question. <laughs> with Bumbershoot and PAX happening in Seattle on the same weekend, things are pretty hectic downtown. The only thing that could make it worse is blank. All right. You know what could make it better, at least for me, is if you wanted to follow us on Twitter. That is at After Party Hosts. Just go to Twitter and look up at After Party Hosts, and you will be able to follow us and follow all the silly stuff that, that we do, and uh, also follow what our alumni of previous episodes are doing, like Jonathan Tweet. Find out more about what happens with uh, Clades, a game we'll talk about today. Alrighty, so with Bumbershoot and PAX happening in Seattle on the same weekend, things are pretty hectic downtown. The only thing that could make it worse is blank. And uh, I'll go first, since I won that last round. And it's uh, people playing Pokemon Go and not looking up and then bumping into you all the time. 
Why are you staring at me? <laughs> I'm I mean, just really angry, and I know that you like Pokemon. I, I, I do. I do play Pokemon Go, but I play it with my kids, and I make sure I'm trying to train them to like, hey, it's got systems for vibrating your phone, so don't you don't even have to look at it. You just need to know, learn how to read a map, and say, I'm going to be at a Poke Stop at this intersection, so you don't need to look at the phone, so you can look around you. See, these are the skills that Pokemon Go can teach you if you let it. You're a hell of a father, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, legit, I ran it, like, like uh, I think it was, uh, I counted uh, four people bumped into me, like, playing Pokemon Go. And one person was obviously trying to do the whole picture thing where there was a Pokemon, like, in that tree. like, ah. And, like, I was, like, in the photo, and I was like, dude, I don't want to be in, like, your photo. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It was just like, ugh. But what if you have, like, um, a cool Pokemon face, like, they... they put it so the Pokemon's like right in front of your face so you look like Jakivamon. 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 Hey, it's Jakivamon. <laughs> that, that really does come out to something else. <laughs> it's just me with a Rastafari hat on. <laughs> um, uh, so Daryl, what did you have? So with Bumbershoot and PAX happening in the same weekend, things are pretty hectic downtown. The only thing that can make it worse is... Two episodes of the Seattle After Party. <laughs> Um, this is very personal. I mean, obviously, uh, the amount of people who came to them is limited, so it really didn't affect traffic or anything else. But I've been rather busy this weekend managing two episodes of the Seattle After Party recording. Yeah, this and you were in the CSE uh, Comedy Sports Show that was in Bumbershoot, Bumbershoot, and then you had to like drive all the way down here to be well, the I, 10 p.m. podcast. Yeah, I actually uh, parked in Fremont, took the bus to Bumbershoot because I wasn't going to try and park at Bumbershoot, and then I took the bus back so that I would drive from here after the, the podcast last night. You're a hell of a man, Daryl. <laughs> yeah, like says, I was saying. Says, <laughs> says the woman who's all like, uh, what is it, uh, multimedia mogul on uh, City Arts. Oh, yeah. Visit City Arts online and look up Jakiva Phillips. She's there. That's true, I am. Uh, Jonathan, what did you have? <laughs> uh, the only thing that would make it worse would be uh, Amazonians working the weekend. Oh, yeah. That's actually, that that would be the evilest thing to happen. <laughs> just like South Lake Union and downtown would just explode. With no, nobody can move anywhere in yeah, the car. Yeah, like You're everything just... would just stand still. Time might actually stand still. <laughs> okay, so our next one. Mm-hmm. And as in general tradition, uh, one of our questions is always about a special guest. And who could this one possibly be about? Oh, it's about me. Let's it must see. be about me. <laughs> Grandmother Fish is great, but she never talks about the black sheep of the family, her great aunt blank. Mm. Grandmother Fish is great, but she never talks about the black sheep of the family, her great aunt blank. And while you're thinking about your family tree... You might visit Ancestry.com, but you might also visit all sorts of other social media sites online, and you might think to yourself, hey, I wonder if anybody on the Seattle After Party wants to know about my family history. We probably don't, but hey, you can write to us by going to fanmail or by writing an email to fanmail at seattleafterparty.com, and we will read it, and we will maybe put it on the podcast. I don't know. All right, so our question is, Grandmother Fish is great, but she never talks about the black sheep of the family, her great aunt blank. And since, Jonathan, you wrote Grandmother Fish, we'll leave you for last because your answer is the true answer. And first, we're going to go to Daryl. 
Okay, I wrote, because um, I was thinking really deep on this one, and uh, I was thinking the black sheep of the family would be the great aunt, the black sheep. <laughs> so meta. <laughs> and, it, and honestly, it's kind of backwards, because Grandmother Fish's great aunt would not be a sheep. That's right. <laughs> but I just... Just reverse Grandmother I, Fish. <laughs> I, it's, it's reverse solution, you know? It's... Uh, it's, it's that's the next book. Yeah, <laughs> de evolution. <laughs> this the sequel. Um, uh, my answer: uh, the black sheep of the family, her great aunt Goldie Fish. Um, she's really inconsiderate. Like she goes over to like other fishes' houses and like goes into their like homes and is like, "This fish bowl is too big. This fish bowl is too small. This fish bowl is just right." She's kind of a jerk that way. She Goldie just breaks fish. and enters. It's like really. I gotta tell you, um, especially with somebody who's writing kids' books, like the kids' stories we grew up with kind of awful. <laughs> like, a little bit. The lessons that they're trying to teach us, like, what was Goldilocks trying to teach us? It's like, hopefully it was be better to bears. Breaking and entering, right? It's like, how to, breaking and entering is okay if you're a pretty little girl. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is it? As long as you're blonde and you're pretty, just <laughs> enter people's homes, eat their food, sleep in their beds. Yeah, That's go right cool. ahead. Because obviously the bears are the scary thing to the kids. So they're like, oh no, I'm on Goldilocks' side. I don't get it at all. We're going to have to find that author and tell them that uh, this is an inappropriate way to to educate children. Um, So, uh, Grandmother Fish is great, but she never talks about the black sheep of the family, her great aunt blank. Jonathan, going to you now. So it's hard for me not to take this seriously, so I I said, uh, I'll lamprey. Because lampreys are the fish without uh, jaws, and Grandmother Fish was the first. She wasn't really the first fish. She was the first fish with jaws. So there's an old side of the family of fish without jaws that we sort of don't like to talk about. Wait, how does a fish not have jaws? It's got a um, an open mouth, but just sort of like a sucker mouth or like um, a scolex or something. Skullex. What is that? A Pokemon yeah. that you caught in Pokemon Go? Yeah, <laughs> you want to look it up? <laughs> a Skolex is like so. It's like a mouth and like four hooks on the. So yeah, yeah. Oh, how about side. that? Okay. Yeah. So a lamprey has uh, a round sucker mouth with little teeth pointing in all the way around, it, and then it latches onto the side of a fish and chews its way through the side, and then sucks the soft end parts. Oh, that, but that was very inefficient. Seems like a very inefficient way, and that's why they went towards jaws. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what happened was it used to be all the fish had no jaws, and then the jawed fish came along, and they ate all the lunches of all the other fish, and the only jawed, only fish without jaws that survived were ones that eat the new food, which is fish with jaws. Oh, so everything yeah. else, fish with jaws eat, and the only thing that jawless fish eat anymore are fish with jaws. Wait, so what's a jawless fish? It's like a lamprey with a sucker mouth. Or a no, I, no, I get that, fish. but I mean, like, what, what's a, like a, like a type? Is, is that, are they just all called lampreys, there's, or is, like, lampreys a category there, of a like, type? Of there's, like, two, there's only, almost all the jawless fish have been driven extinct by our ancestors, the jawed fish. Oh, okay. And so the only ones left are lampreys, uh, and, which eat live fish, and hagfish, which eat dead fish. Okay. Okay. 
Cool. And hagfish are really gross, so that's a whole other story. Do they have, like, warts? They, they twist themselves in knots and exude a slime as a way of getting away from uh, enemies. Ew. And uh, since they don't have jaws, they can't eat bones or, or what have you or, or bite pieces off. So instead, they just slide into the mouths of dead fish and eat the soft parts from the inside out. This, wow. like, you keep describing things, and they just sound like horror movies to me. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's, it's not pretty. But, you know, uh, if you don't have jaws, there's just very little for you to do left in this world. <laughs> All right, so we'll come... That's, that's pretty much what Peter Benchley thought. He's like, if I don't have jaws, there's pretty much nothing left for me to do in the world. Peter Benchley wrote so Jaws. True. I just watched Jaws, <laughs> and I did not get that. Okay. Was, yeah, we'll come back to this. Uh, in a little bit, <laughs> uh, but in, I, was, I was waiting for that whole round. To use. Just the whole time, <laughs> it fell flat. Make Sorry. some Jaws joke, and it fell flat. Oh, uh, well, you know, somebody out there in in <laughs> uh, the uh, the the podcast verse got it, and they loved it. But we'll come back to all of this: <laughs> the scary fish and, and bigger scary fish with Jaws and the whole nine. But in the meantime, oh, by the way, need... if you got to it, please send a fan mail at, G- at SeattleAfterParty.com. Yes, fan, fan mail. At SeattleAfterParty.com so that I know that I, I made somebody's day. Yeah, just just for Daryl, please. He had two podcasts this weekend and he needs some validation. All right. All right, now we're moving on to the lightning round. And anything can happen in the lightning round. It's super quick. And our first... Somebody else might even show one up. One word, fill in the blank for this is book blank. Book blank. Now is the time where we do some marketing. Yeah, now is the time where, uh, speaking of marketing, there is a wonderful person we know who sometimes hosts the show, and she's got uh, a magazine called Word Lit Zine. Check it out at wordlitzine.com slash WP. All righty, so. Lightning round has shorter advertising. It is. <laughs> I'm okay with that. It is book blank. Book blank. Uh, Daryl, what did you have? Um, I wrote something, and this is not going to match anybody, I know for sure. I said book dragon. And the reason why is because um, it's my wife's birthday on Tuesday. She doesn't listen to this podcast anyways, and, but she wouldn't, it wouldn't be out until the day of her birthday anyways. And I got her a cup that said, I'm not a bookworm, I'm a book dragon. So I've been thinking about that because we like dragons in my house. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. You could spell bookworm with a Y, bookworm, mm-hmm. and then you'd be then like uh, an eleven hit die. Yeah, uh, book. This is, this is this is the guy who can who can tell us all about uh, the the various the worm types and yeah. dragon types. Or also like an eighties metal band. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, what did you have? Book blank. I, w- I went really minimalist and I wrote e bookie. Oh, okay. I had a book mark. Bookmark. You right. went the obvious route that I was like, I was like, bookworm, bookmark, book dragon. Let's go with that. You book win that dragon. one again. You keep winning. Now I love myself. Um, you might be pregnant before the, one of you might be pregnant. What if, what if, either me or me might be pregnant. We'll see. All right. Um, the next one is blank game. Blank game. And you know what? It's really great about games. 
Games are fun to play, and so you should find lots of games. In fact, later we're going to be talking about a um, a game that uh, is one Jonathan Tweet has has is working on and going to be kickstarting soon, and we'll find out about that more in just a little bit. Okie dokie. Now, blank game. Daryl, what did you have? I wrote Mind Game. Ooh, very nice. And uh, Jonathan? Uh, well, I've been in uh, game design for a long time, and over the last two uh, decades, uh, board games have become way more popular and sophisticated. So I wrote Board Game. Ooh, yeah. Oh, board games are kind of blowing up. That's true. Um, uh, it's, I, it's, like the, it's like the vinyl, you know, for, for games in general. It's like vinyl coming back. It's like board games are, are cool. Like vinyl is cool for music, you know. There's except, something about... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So except now that the board games are a lot better than they used to be. That's the, that's the thing. Uh, Germans have been playing uh, cool board games for years and years, and now finally we're importing games from... Europe and now there's yeah, a lot of, of really a lot cool of games, games you find from Germany, play, especially yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just recently uh, did a commercial for a company, and uh, they do a series of board games and and you know table games and stuff like that, and they're really fun. And like part of it was like we just actually got to play them, and then they just filmed us doing it. And I was like, man, we don't play enough board games. Like it's fun to like just sit down and kill like four or five hours just doing that. So you're very good with board game. Um, I need to introduce you to my wife. She loves playing games. I, I've board met games. her. Yeah, I need to introduce you to her and tell her you love board games. Oh, okay. you'll, be, you'll be invited over to play games with her. Board game night! Yeah, exactly. I mean, I get really competitive, so I don't... Oh, know. that might be hard. She really likes cooperative games. Okay. <laughs> or, or if they're competitive, she turns them into cooperative games. I mean, if, uh. if the kids play with us, I'll tone it down, because I'll just be like, all right, I gotta, I gotta teach these children that it doesn't matter if you win or lose. <laughs> it's how you play the game. And then secretly tell them, but winning really matters. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, so your answer was awesome, Jonathan. Um, you. you probably won that round because mine is is the fourth movie that I saw this week, uh, The Imitation Game. Oh, the Imitation Game. Yes, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, which some people think is he's attractive. Um, those people are weird. Anyway, so... He's got a good voice. He's got a good voice, but like... So if you close your eyes, maybe? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> We're not going to get on my feelings about everybody jizzing over Benedict Cumberbatch right now. That's a whole other podcast that we can discuss later. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, let's move on to um, fun blank. Fun blank. All right. You know what's a lot of fun, folks? Comedy Sports Seattle. It's a lot of fun not only to watch, but to also be a part of. So check out CSZSeattle.com and find out about all the classes that we have here. Or just come on over to a Wednesday Improv Jam. That's where Jakiva and I met. And now look at us. All right. Fun blank. Fun blank. Let's start off with Jonathan. What did you have? Well, this was a really exciting opportunity for me to repeat my minimalist minimalist answer from earlier, and I went with E. It's fun E. It's funny. You know what? Funny E! Jakiva's, you're you're friends now. (laughs) Now we don't even know who's going to make Jakiva pregnant. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we both had funny Daryl. Can we make this a hat trick? What did you have? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
figures. <laughs> I just wrote fun times. Fun times. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. You shouldn't yeah. be ashamed. I mean. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now, uh, let's see if we can make this next one a hat trick. Okay, let's make the next one a hat trick. Blank fish. Oh, blank, blank fish. fish. Hmm. Going to work really hard thinking about what types. Of, you know, after you're done with having a meal of fish or something like that, maybe maybe you eat fish. If you don't, maybe you have some non-fish items. Either way, you're done. You're done eating. You're feeling really sated. So you got to relax. And a really great way to relax is to listen to a podcast like this one. So make sure you've subscribed to us. If you use iTunes, use iTunes. If you use Stitcher Radio, use that. But subscribe to us so you never miss an episode. All right. Blank fish, Daryl. I was thinking that when I originally wrote these lightning round rhymes, I had an idea that I thought would be really good for this. And I thought it was grandmother fish. <laughs> I, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm also looking at the book right now, right in front of me. A child's first book of evolution. All right. Jonathan. Well, uh... You know, the marketing people in New York are uh, always coaching me to stand my talking points. So I wrote Grandmother. Yeah! Grandmother Fish. Jonathan and I are now friends. And I think somebody's about to get pregnant because I said Grandmother Fish! Jakiva's now pregnant, and we don't know who the father is. It could be Jakiva, even. <laughs> That's true. I did match myself three times. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that concludes. The lightning round! The winner is Jakiva, I think. Yeah, I don't think I won if I'm pregnant. I think uh, (laughs) I have a lot of debt coming on soon. It was was me who lost all the rounds? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't pregnant. pregnant. All right, so we ended on Grandmother Fish with the lightning round. It seems only appropriate. We start the conversation portion talking about Grandmother Fish, how it's, how it's been going. Uh, when we last left off, uh, it was in the stages of being put together, and it was like 90-something percent complete. Now what's happening? What's going on with that? Uh, so uh, I self-published a small print run of the book last year, and um, almost exactly a year ago. And uh, it sold out in November, and now Macmillan has picked the book up, and they are doing... A, a new edition, and that releases uh, Tuesday. So by the time you hear this podcast, it will be released. That's awesome. And he, is He's a marketing be... genius. Did you see that timing? He's like, let's do it this day so you can have it done by the day it's out. Yeah, it's called a publication date. Right? Right, buddy? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've, I've been around the block a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still fighting my way around the block. Joe's <laughs> just completely lost the other with a map like where's this block everybody's talking about because um, I'm not looking at my Pokemon Go I can't see where stuff is <laughs> so uh, so what um, is there going to be a party like a release party that's somewhere? a great question uh, and I'm glad you asked yeah there's a party on um, Saturday the 10th uh, at, for, at 10 a.m. 10 to noon at Ada's Books Ada's Technical Books in Capitol Hill uh, that's a cute, small, little uh, bookstore and coffee shop, and it's named after Ada Lovelace, the first computer programmer in the world. 
um, and they were the one bookstore that really believed in us and ordered um, copies of the original edition in, in volume and sold through a couple cartons. And so um, I asked if when Macmillan wanted to set it up, you know, there's a really big independent bookstore in the city, but um, I asked if we could do it at Ada's because they were the people who they had our back a year ago. They supported from the yeah. beginning, yeah. That, that's, that's awesome, that's great. Uh, yeah, I, I, lo I love that. Um, I love so much about that, actually. Like, the fact that they're named after Ada Lovelace, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny the number of times I'll just see, like, posts on something, somebody saying, you know, like, women in computer science, look at this, and it's like, well, well yeah, that's Ada Lovelace. You know, it's always, to me, it's like, I'm just wondering where they went. They've been around since the beginning, since probably yeah, in some well, ways yeah, before the Yeah, programmers and computer <laughs> yeah. people, yeah. So... So that's great. And then the fact that they supported you and that you have a chance to kind of return the favor and say we're going to do an event at your place because you supported us. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. I love independent bookstores. I know it's, it's nice to have, you know, personally met these people. And, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's been really rewarding to make a lot of relationships uh, in this whole publishing venture of mine, right? Like doing the book has gotten me, you know, in contact with the people at Ada's, for example, and, that, and, and I like them. So it's neat. That's awesome. Um, I, so I know that a lot of uh, book launches, they have prizes or games or reading. So is there going to be anything special going on at this launch party? Uh, so we'll have some special stuff there. I'll be there and uh, Karen, the artist, will be there. Um, we want to talk about you know how the book came to be and answer questions and, and meet people and sign books and that sort of thing. Um, one of the weird things about having Macmillan be in charge of my book, right, I is that I don't know exactly what's going to happen at this party because, you know, that's something that the Macmillan people and Ada's put together. And so, you know, I'm used to being an entrepreneur or a self-publisher and um, having complete control over what's going on with my book. And now it's really exciting to have a major publisher releasing it, but it, it puts me in this weird spot where I don't, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I can't wait to find out. I'd love to see what, what Macmillan and Ada's arrange for the, uh, yeah, for the launch party Saturday. Yeah, I think you and I are in the same boat, like being of that entrepreneur spirit. It's like it's hard to relinquish control. You're like, but I can do this. I, don't, I, can, I can put it all together. And then exactly. Like, no, take a break. Like you're the talent, like, right? Like uh, not to put finger quotes around that, but you know what I mean. Uh, right. <laughs> you are very talented. Just so everybody knows, she put finger quotes around and looked at me like you're the talent. <laughs> Like, hey, Daryl, you're the talent. But, but what I mean is, like, it's it's so much different, like, when you are, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've put together, um, uh, like, book, sh uh, not book shows, I've put together um, festivals and stuff like that, yeah. and, like, when somebody is, like, the talent, like, they don't do anything, and it's really weird, like, they just show up and they read, and it's really weird to be on that side of things when you're so used to being the person who does yeah. everything and has your finger in every pot, and they're just like, no, we got this, like, you just show up and, like, be you, and you're like, it feel this feels weird, like, oh, I, I mean, you mean I just show up and I, like, relax for a little while, like, what? So it's probably a nice change of pace for you, but also really weird to let that go. Yeah, and, and just not to, you know, not to have sort of day-to-day -day control over, you know, this project that I've been working on for, I guess, 17 years now. That's yeah. right. It has been a very long journey for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, wor I worked on the manuscript for years and years and years before I figured out how to get it right, and that was, that was uh, three years ago. Um. For the audience, uh, I remember the story, but tell the audience, like, what, what was the moment that clicked for you? <laughs> okay, yeah, so I was literally in the hot tub and uh, thinking about um, 
grandmother fish, and I had just come back from Burning Man, which of course is a great way to get your creative uh, gears turning. And uh, yeah, and I realized that if the book featured um, ways for kids to mimic the sounds and actions of our ancestors, like wiggle like a fish and hoot like an ape, that, you know, it would be super engaging and really easy for kids to understand and a ton of fun. And yeah, I, I um, you know, I like I yelled a little bit. I sort of shook all over when the, when that inspiration struck. You know, I knew immediately that I had finally cracked it after all those years. Nice. So just so everybody heard that right, it takes uh, seventeen years for an overnight success. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. Yeah, <laughs> but that's about right. That's, you know, it's funny how many stories I hear that it like people who seem like overnight successes, and it's just because people hadn't heard about them before. But that person was toiling for so long, working towards that thing, and it's like ten or twenty years is often the the length of an overnight success. Yeah, yeah. And books, in and of themselves, they take a cup. Like even if you're like a contracted out, um, like let's say you get get mega famous and you're like oh, Stephanie Meyer or something like that um, like they, they give you an advance on like putting your book together but like it takes a couple years like they're like okay in two years we need a sequel so like even they know that it takes a while to like pump it out and so it can be like for a first time book it can be twice that or three times that length because it's like just sitting down and writing it because you don't have an advance you have to work a job and then like finally getting an editor and that takes a a good maybe year, year and a half to finally get like the final product of that editing done. And then you have to get the cover. And so, and so it's weird, like as a first time writer, you're like, yeah, I'm writing a book. And then everybody's like, yeah, when is it coming out? And you're like, hmm, a couple of years. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, it's an arduous process, but it's so rewarding. And, and definitely, you know, everybody that I have talked to that has gotten their first, first book out there, they're like, all the late nights and the toiling was completely worth it. And, and I mean, as somebody who's writing a book too, it's like, all right, it is like 4 a.m. in the morning. I haven't slept, still writing. And then you finish writing those pages and you're like, yeah, you know, so it's a... I mean, on the other hand, if you had asked me 14 years ago, or four, or four years ago, I would have said that, yeah, I've been working on this thing for 13 years and I haven't gotten anywhere. So, right, at that point, I was I, I still believed in the project, but you know I didn't have anything to show for it. Mm -hmm. right? It's 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 not rewarding. It takes years and years and years for it to finally be rewarding, right? Yeah. Like you got to yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and and I think one thing that's exciting is you've got a very common story that I hear about, especially in publishing. But hello. Oh, oh there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, especially in publishing, but in other places too, where I mean. There was a lot of people who told you it wouldn't work, right? Like when you finally did have this yeah. great idea and that's you right. finally put it together. Um, and then, I mean, that's when we had you on last as you were talking about it as um, a Kickstarter project. That's right. And, and you did that and it was a success and you, you sold through all of that. And, and uh, now, like, so tell us some stories about that. Like people turned you down sure. and now you've got Macmillan. And yeah, so... Um so after the Kickstarter, uh, you know, we knew that uh, we had at least enough of a success that we were going to pay for printing and we were going to have some money left over for ourselves. And, you know, it was, to that degree, it was a, a success. At that point, 
Um, we did not have the book finished yet, like we had the money, and so now we had the money to give to Karen so she could work on it um, and finish the art. Um, but the art is what really makes everyone fall in love with the book right away, and so I was, I had the manuscript and the sketches um, and some endorsements, and uh, I talked with two people. One was the publisher, they do a, um, like children's specialty nature publishing, so it seemed like a really, really good match. And they weren't afraid of the evolution angle and what have you. Um, but then the publisher sent the manuscript out to uh, a teacher, who was, uh, especially one who was familiar with the Montessori system. And he said that schools wouldn't want this, that it's too, um, it's too juvenile for... Um, older kids, and usually older kids are the ones that learn evolution, and um, it's too, uh, evolution is too advanced a concept for the young kids that this is aimed at. And I guess in Montessori, uh, they, they are one of the, you know, school programs that really takes evolution seriously, but they don't teach it to preschoolers. They don't teach it to you until, you know, you're in grade school somewhere. So according to their way of doing things, you don't, you don't teach abstract concepts like uh, evolution to kids this young. So they were told, the publisher was told that not even the Montessori, not even the schools that teach evolution earlier than normal are gonna want this book. So things didn't work out. And then I had another guy who was an, an agent looked at the manuscript and considered taking us on, right, as clients. And you know, he said it didn't seem appealing. And I was like, what What are you reading? Like, look at this book, are you kidding? It's It's, don't you see how great this book is? And no, it didn't didn't see anything special about it. So and I, you put dollar signs in front of it, and then people started seeing it as special. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then somebody wrote about it on uh, on an NPR blog, oh. um, and that post went viral. And that post, in, in turn, had been based on two previous reviews that were done on sort of more technical sites. So a lot of people hadn't seen them, but NPR, people read that blog. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so um, that went viral, and once that hit, um, then uh, then I sold the book as soon as I, as fast as I could get them oh, for wow. sale. Nice. Yeah, nice. it's really nice. And then uh, Macmillan, how, how soon, uh, when did Macmillan contact you then? So we got contacted by uh, an agent, um, and who works with Abrams, and... Uh, uh, they're science geeks. Uh, they don't do a lot of books, uh, but they're science geeks and wanted to do this one. And so we signed up with them, um, and uh, uh, and then they shipped the book out to you know the like PDFs of everything out to um, their contacts. And we actually had two different publishing houses uh, sort of bidding to be the the publisher. So that was a really nice place to be in. Yeah, definitely, definitely, much much different place to be in than. Why can't you see how great this is? Exactly, right? What, like one year later, right? Everything's very different. Yeah, yeah. That, and that, I think that's a great story because you've already spoken to how much, I mean, 17 years, it's obviously a, a passion project to keep, yeah, that's right. keep plucking away for that long. 14 years before you even have that moment of, yeah, that's I right. got it. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet, like, n now, you, you, now you get to it. So it's like that whole that whole, all that work finally paying off. And we, you hear stories like that of people, you know, sometimes if, if you really want something, it seems that you just have to keep moving forward, even though it seems because uh, you're the only person who's going to put that thing out into the world. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm sitting with two people so, who do that stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing um, that, you know, like you were talking about earlier when we did Grandmother Fish for the lightning round. It's like, yeah, like people say, well, you have to be your own like brand and you have to constantly talk about what you're producing because nobody else knows that it's out there. Um, so what I'm curious about with that whole story is, so grandmother sh uh, fishes selling off the shelves, are they in like schools? Like are they in some like Montessori school libraries and stuff like that? Uh, so the, um, the first edition uh, from last year uh, did make its way into a couple of schools, um, but mostly it was being sold on Amazon to customers, uh, you know, in just individuals. Um, it's hard to get into schools, uh, and a lot of times schools will only, um, like, they'll only be able to buy off a certain list. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And I wasn't on anybody's list, right? We'll, um, we'll see. And so now I, now I think I will be, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, and, and in fact, uh, Macmillan, their kids group has um, a group that especially targets teachers and schools, and they're going to be talking to, them, to everyone about Grandmother Fish this year. Wonderful, yeah. I like how it kind of comes full circle from nobody would want this in a Montessori school to being like, we're teaching this in a Montessori school. Uh, yeah, I know, right? And that's really good for it's, you. It's, it's kind of like the evolution of Grandmother Fish. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, honestly, the art makes a really huge difference, right? Like the... Um, Karen really poured her heart into the book and um, the art is really marvelous and it sort of pulls it all together and helps you get the tone of the book in a way that the text alone maybe didn't. So, uh, you know, that's one of... I, I mean, I, I'm really grateful to all the people who believed in it back when it was, you know, sketches, but, but Karen's art, you know, really... It wasn't until I saw that that I really understood how good the book was going to be. Great, great. So I'm looking at the front cover, and so I see that um, Grandmother Fish has, it looks like she has a lot more fins than like a fish that I would see today would, or maybe it's just the type of fish. So I guess I'm curious about the, um, uh, from the illustration point, the technical side of like the science behind it, and like, because when you're doing something like this, it's, it's a scientific book, so that means you have to be accurate in what you're showing, or else what's the point of creating this like educational exactly. book? Um, so I don't, I don't know if you can speak for Karen, but talk to me a little bit about the process of um, getting the technical side of the illustrations down and the research that goes into that. Uh, so you're right that that fish looks a little weird and not like uh, sort of a normal fish. Um, and its its fins are just sort of like a, a spine with um, sort of like a fleshy sail behind it rather than a solid fin or a, or a fin with bones in it that you would see in a fish today. So it's a pretty odd-looking fish, but that looks pretty close to, I think it's called an acanthodian, which is an early fish, and uh, it's close enough that... Um, a paleontologist I ran across on Twitter was able to recognize it. And she was so excited and she said, is that an acanthodian? Oh my goodness, is that a iscanathomorphian or whatever? Which is exactly the kind of acanthodian it was, was indeed the iscanathom, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Karen was able to make the fish seem friendly and attractive and still have it be so distinct and accurate that um, a scientist could identify that genus. Yeah, and even a layperson like me being able to be like, that doesn't look like a fish from today. Like, I'm kind of curious about it. Like, it, yeah, exactly. it immediately kind of hooks me in. Um, 
So did uh, did she uh, look at like fossils and, and well, bones you know, and luck, stuff like that? Luckily, uh, with the internet, you can find images of all sorts of things really easy. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, I, I did a lot of looking around, uh, and um, I've got books and I've got the internet, and, and together I was able to sort of piece together, you know, here are the five creatures I want you to illustrate. Right, the the earliest jawed fish, the earliest uh, amniotes, the you know sort of like reptiles that could lay their eggs on land instead of amphibians and have to lay them in the water, you know the first mammal, the first ape, whatever the first, you know an early one, right, um, and and so those are all you know I can tell you, and in the fact in the back it'll say you know. We call it grandmother fish, but it's really this kind of fish or whatever. Okay. Um, and yeah, it, there's a ton of science that goes into the book that you can't see, right? Like you just look at it and, and you don't realize how long it took us to figure out which fish to put where or, or what have you. Yeah. I think that's really great too because like as, as a parent, I've already gotten past the, the kids' book section, but like I know when you get certain books, like you wonder like, but how much is this really, you know, is this just portraying the wrong ideas to my kids so that then we have to, like, reteach them everything? So that's yeah. kind of cool that uh, even, like, the subliminal messages of this goes here, this goes here, yeah. the, the kids are going to learn, uh, like, those kind of groupings and, and whatnot. Um, speaking of which, and speaking of Karen, you and Karen are working on a new, uh, a new game. Yeah, that's right. It's called Clades. Yeah. Um. So a clade, uh, as it turns out, is a complete branch of the evolutionary family tree. So like if you went to, if you looked at the, the earliest population of cats and all the cats that have descended from them over the years, put all those together and that's a clade. It's the cat clade, right? And it's a really powerful um, idea in uh, taxonomy of how you classify uh, living things. So like all humans together are a clade and then all humans plus all the um, the earlier humans, the archaic humans and sort of the humanoids, everyone that evolved from the same line that split from the chimpanzees five million years ago, that's all a clade. And then us plus the chimpanzees and the bonobos, that's a clade. And then us and the chimpanzees and the bonobos and the gorillas together, we're a clade. And it's there's sort of this nesting doll of effects where you, um, you can make the clade bigger by going sort of back one notch on the evolutionary tree and picking up a new branch and adding that in. Um, so it's... it's uh, a really important concept and one that I had never learned, even though I studied some biology in, in uh, college and what have you. And so when I learned about clades in um, studying grandmother fish, I got really excited about that idea and I started thinking about it and I came up with a game that it's an animal matching game and one of the categories that you match animals on uh, is what clade they belong to. Do they belong to the arthropod clade, that's bugs, do they belong to the mammal clade? You know, that's us. And do they belong to the reptilian clade? And so that's um, all reptiles, including birds. So, it's a, so it's a matching game. So it's a matching game. If you know the game set, um, it's, a, it's a lot like set where uh, every card has qualities and you're trying to match three cards together um, according to those qualities. All right, and, wait, let's, let's back up for a second. I mean, yeah. what you're saying is important. But then you just said something that I went, what? So uh, birds are in the same clade as reptiles? Yeah, that's a, uh, thank you for going, what? <laughs> um, 
because one of the messages of clades, one of the things that it teach kids is birds are in the same clade as reptiles. I never knew that. So birds evolved from dinosaurs. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And dinosaurs evolved from sort of crocodile-like animals, and 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 they're reptiles. And so you can, um, if you look at the reptile family tree, uh, you know, it splits up into turtles and crocodilians and lizards, basically. Um, And then uh, snakes are in with lizards. And the, the crocodilians that... That group is what launched dinosaurs and pterosaurs and uh, birds are a kind of dinosaur. And I think they might be where the, the big marine reptiles like plesiosaurs came from too. Um, so yeah, so what's, what we didn't understand 300 years ago, 200 years ago, is that birds and reptiles are in the same group. Right when we when Linnaeus originally defined what are the you know what's a mammal and what's an amphibian right he split birds into their own group separate from reptiles because he had no idea about evolution or common descent. Yeah, it's hard to look at like a chicken and think that it's related to a T Rex. Yeah, <laughs> but when they're chicks, it's easier actually because when they're smaller and have less feathers, you can sort of see that you know they got they've got little forelegs that aren't good for grabbing anything. And they've got two legs that they walk around on, and their tail sticks out behind them. They're sort of—I mean, they're sort of like a dinosaur. So I wonder if, like, you were to look at if you got to see like a baby uh, T. Rex, like, and you're really yeah, just that's like right. how because because you really the, you're still uh, it's they're, they're still babies, and especially uh, babies out of eggs still have a lot more development to that's do. Right. And so, like, I wonder how close they they, they would actually resemble and, each other. And they might even have like down all over, like baby chicks. Yeah, right? they might really a, a baby team Rex, a new like a T Rex hatchling might look a lot like a bird hatchling. Yeah, yeah. I remember like when I was you know, young and we did science, you know, uh, that they talked about like some dinosaurs actually had feathers or they thought based on, you know, the bones that they thought that they had feathers. So I guess now that I think about it, yeah. (laughs) But again, it is really hard just like, you know, look at a pigeon and you're like, "Ah, is that related to a brontosaurus? Like what? Which doesn't exist anymore. Brachiosaur, excuse me. Paleontology. It's always a brontosaurus to me. I know, right? Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was my and, favorite dinosaur. And Pluto I, is a planet. Yeah. Let's, go, let's just go back in time, folks. No. no, I mean, when I wanted to be a paleontologist in third grade, I wanted to be a paleontologist because I like brontosaurus so much. So I can't, like, ever think of them as not a dinosaur. So as soon as they figured out they had the bones wrong and they changed the name, you were like, that's it. I'm no longer going to be a paleontologist. That's, that crushed your dreams too much. Yeah, that was around the time I, I decided I probably want to be an astronaut. And then, and then Pluto wasn't a planet anymore, and then she stopped that. Done. I guess I'll be a writer now. Let's write stories where Pluto still is a planet, and a brontosaur exists. And the brontosauruses live on Pluto. <laughs> so um, the, the, well, let me, I want to say one more thing about the bird thing. Um, that's why I'm really excited to have this game to show kids that birds are related to reptiles. And in fact, you could consider them, I mean, a part, part of the reptilia class. They, you could think of them as reptiles. So we knew that. Uh, even back in the 1800s, within, I think, 20 years after Darwin's um, origin of the species, one of his big proponents, Huxley, uh, used Darwinian theory to rewrite taxonomy and said birds should be grouped with dinosaurs and reptiles. And 
it's still, I remember in the 70s learning that and it was news. Well, that was the 1970s and people were already saying that in the 1870s. So we're, we're way, way behind in our evolutionary understanding. Um, and this is just a really perfect example of that. Yeah. That goes into a, um, a question I was just about to ask you. So that's great, bridging the gap. But you do a lot of science stuff and it's geared towards children. And I really appreciate that because I think that it's Thank important you. for kids to learn stuff like this, right? Um, and to have their minds kind of blown. Because like, my mind was blown when you said birds are like dinosaurs. And then it reminded me of stuff that I had long forgotten. And so um, I guess my question to you is a little bit like, how did you get into this? Like, why did you decide? you know you personally decide to gear things like evolution which is a large concept to people who are I mean this is a preschool book so these are kids that are around four years old and like this you know game that is designed I think it's for people of all ages but the fact that children can play it and learn like that so uh you know tell me a little bit about you know sure. your path to finding that uh so um I, I saw myself as a scientist when I was in grade school um, and I sort of, I think, gave that up in college because it seemed hard. Like, uh, you know, you you can uh, fake your way on an English paper easier than you can fake your way on a biology report. <laughs> and so, um, and I wound up in psychology and sociology. Where Only can, people who are good at writing would say you can fake your way on an English paper. <laughs> well, my, my dad was an English professor, so that was all, that was a breeze for me. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up in psychology and sociology where you can just, you can make up whatever and say whatever and you know, really, really easy. And that gave me time to uh, launch my career in game design. So it was good that my classes weren't that hard. Um, but it, what I was saying was that I was always really interested in evolution and science and dinosaurs and human evolution. And I, re I remember um, having my mind blown a couple times about evolution uh, and like really learning how it worked in a way that I hadn't before. And um, and some of that was like in college, where it's like, I, I should have known this. Like I took bio advanced biology in high school. Why didn't I know this? Why didn't I know about clades until I was, you know, in my 40s? It's a, um, so I've long thought that people don't understand evolution as well as they should. I didn't understand evolution as well it, as I thought I should. It's very clear that people don't understand evolution as well as they should. I mean, I can even say that I remember I was listening... I was listening to an audiobook of, uh, I forget which Richard Dawkins book, but he talks about taking, you know, going back 10,000 years, you know, and seeing the humans, and then going back another 10,000, and continuing that, back in, and how, and I was like, I've never thought about it in that sense, and how, and that, that you know, that makes so much sense, and that was an extra piece to my puzzle, yeah. um, and it, it kind of reminded me of, like, the whole Clades thing, it's like, I would, you know, that's another piece of, and they are relatively simple, basic concepts. It's just we don't teach them. And I wonder um, if you've run into the, It sounds like you've run into this, but it's like how much of it is just like we don't think children can understand it versus knowing what children can and can't understand? That's a, that is a really good question. I mean, I, I think people have just sort of assumed that kids can't understand evolution. It's too complicated, right? And um, one of the things that we've learned about kids is uh, they come into this world with a lot more wherewithal than we ever knew. Like we really, 
I studied psychology and sociology in the 20th century, and we used to think of kids, you know, newborns as really not bringing much into the world and being subject to whatever social conditions they were born into. And now we know that kids come into this world with a, they're really canny, and uh, they know what to pay attention to, and they're constantly figuring things out. And so with Grandmother Fish, what kids pay attention to is animals and families. Both of those things kids are naturally uh, attracted to and interested in and, and understand. Um, and I saw like a, I saw a two-year-old who understood uh, what was going on in Grandmother Fish to some extent, but he just didn't have the words to explain it. His, his parents thought he was confused, but it was like, no, I, he, he really was understanding that Grandmother Reptile is a descendant of uh, Grandmother Fish, hmm. right? He, but he just didn't know how to say it. So anyway... Yeah, people have not have mis, have underestimated children. I think that that it's also it's not just what you're teaching; it's the way that you teach it also, which is part of what I think is great about Grandmother Fish in your game. Um, I was listening to this uh, NPR podcast. This was um, like a week before I thought uh, before I knew you were going to be our guest for the podcast, and it was about um, how they were teaching children in China about chemistry and like bonds by playing this like game of tag where like they each wore a shirt that had a different kind of element on it and then you were supposed to create like this you know this uh, type of bond or this type of element and that's just a fun I remember being like dude if I did that as a kid I would totally remember stuff hey baby you want to make a pie bond with me (laughs) (laughs) little five-year-old max out there in the field but but I, I do I think that that's incredibly intelligent uh, to do things like that, right? Like, we can sit here and list facts for kids, and we can sit here and tell them, like, this is how, like, a fish became a human. Great. Right, right, right. Uh, but they're not going to process that. It's the way that you show them. And with your book, it being interactive, which, like, your right. breakthrough was, was very genius in that part, uh, that, like, gets kids acting it and doing it and being it, and then they understand it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, they, and, and that's... Um, what they are seeing is sort of in their own bodies and in their own behavior how they have the traits that our ancestors evolved over hundreds of millions of years. The ability to breathe, the ability to walk, the ability to grab or hoot or squeak. Yeah. And I love it. Um, okay, so we've talked about the game. It's, when is that coming out? So uh, October is the um, Kickstarter uh, and so I'll run that through October through November, and then I'm not sure when it'll be out. A card game typically has to be printed in China, so it takes longer than um, Grandmother Fish we were able to do in the States, luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't have uh, time, but I, th- I would imagine it would it'll be in 2017 sometime. Like, the, the game is pretty much done, right? Like, uh, Karen has all but finished the cards, and the rules are pretty much in a final state. Um, there's some tweaking we can do, and we'll be looking for feedback. But um, when we were done with the Grandmother Fish Kickstarter, we were uh, still months and months away from having a final book. And when we finish the, the, this Kickstarter in November, we'll be almost done, almost ready to... It's really great for a Kickstarter. Sometimes yeah. people are waiting years for 
for anything that they kickstarted. And they're like, oh yeah, I spent money on that years ago. And all of a sudden this thing shows up at my door. It was really great. Karen just jumped on the project. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to need, you know, 27 different animal images and whatever. And she just started working on it, you know, and um, uh, kicking them out one after another. And, you know, she does great, great cute animals. There's, there's, you know, if I could just keep thinking of things to do that have great cute animals in them, books or cards or anything that she can illustrate, I think it'll always be a success. Right. Are you going to have uh, uh, game parties where people can play and test it out? That sounds like a great idea, Jakiva. Yes. Can I do it? Yeah. Yay. <laughs> no, I'm really excited. Um, I'm, I'm excited to learn, actually. Like, I'm, this is not like a podcast endorsement. I actually like, really want, like, it's like, this seems like a cool game that I'd really like to play. So this is me shamelessly being like, I want to do it. Um, but yeah, and, and I think that's another Ada's technical books. We're best friends now. Um, so definitely keep us in the loop on that, and we will sure, yeah. promote more stuff about it because i um, super excited for that. So the game Kickstarter is going to be coming out. Everybody check, uh, you know, go and throw money at it because it seems like a really cool game to play. Um, but what else? I want to know what else is going on with you. So we have a book. We have a game. What else? What else comes from the mind of Jonathan Tweet? <laughs> the mind of Jonathan Tweet. Uh, so, you know, um, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in September just sort of catching up with um, uh, communication and interviews and, um, like, this is my first podcast. There's uh, some other stuff coming up. Um, We're that's... first podcast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Came to you guys first. Um, so, uh, uh, and then uh, Karen and I are um, working on a board book. That would be for even younger children than Grandmother Fish. Um, Are you going to be teaching like zygotes soon? You're just like... (laughs) (laughs) They're going to come out of the womb and they're going to know Darwin and they're going to know, you know, epigenetics and whatever. (laughs) Further and farther. There is no limit to how early I can reach these kids. (laughs) We'll teach you in a past life. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, ideally in a couple of years, I've, I've got a book that teaches kids so young that Grandmother Fish, no one will buy it anymore because... Oh, the kids, by the time they're three, they all know about evolution. Oh, nice, nice. Are you going to start, do you also have books that you're going to start doing for slightly older kids? Like uh, elementary school? um, I've talked with a couple of educators about um, they're interested in ways to teach older kids, uh, whether it's a book or a program. I've got some sort of games and exercises on evolution that I have done in the past with adults, and I think a lot of that could be um, switched up for kids. So one of the things I'm looking at is not a, a book for older kids, but um, sort of games and activities. I'm a game designer, right? And so um, I'm thinking of uh, how can you, sort of like you're the, the game that you were talking about with the chemistry where the kids are doing something interactive to learn. Yeah. That's what I'm, I, I'm more likely to come up with say, a guide to how to use games to teach evolution than probably an evolution book for middle schoolers. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I just got into this crazy business. There's lots of stuff going on, and there's there's a ton of need for it. And I keep, every day, it seems like there's people who, you know, email me, and they say they're so grateful because they're looking for ways to teach evolution, and they don't know how to do it. And it's like, you know, sign me up. That sounds like a great thing for me to do is help educators figure out cool ways to engage young minds and learn evolution. Right. And like uh, you said, you know, making games and stuff. And I just want to 
remind our audience who may not have heard last time, you have like serious game designer cred. Yeah, certainly among the geeks, right? The yeah, tabletop geeks love me. Yeah, because uh, you've got you got Pathfinder, right? And yeah, so I did the D and D third edition. I was the, the lead designer edition. on that, right? Yeah, and so that got picked up as Pathfinder. So the, all the Pathfinder people are sort of playing my game, right? right. Um, and I did some other, that, that was my real big commercial success was the third edition one, yeah. third edition role-playing game, but I've done other role-playing games that are more sort of critically acclaimed um, and um, have sort of uh, moved the industry, moved game design towards sort of more towards story and freeform. So I'm going to get back into some of that, I think. Okay. Uh, revisit some of my uh, more freeform role-playing routes. We need like... Um, uh, uh, I think D and D with um, more evolution rules at this point, like exactly. like how like you can somehow evolve species of monsters that you have to beat over time, like they're spawning in the dungeons you haven't gone to. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> and then and then uh, if you kill only the weak monsters, then the strong monsters spawn, and now the monster pool has gotten stronger. Right. So you know the strategy you have to make sure you're killing the the stronger monsters earlier, so that oh, this is good. Well, I think we just created a new D&D right <laughs> this, now. <laughs> this is the new games for uh, the for the older for the older kids. I know. I think yeah. older kids would totally be about that. Oh yeah. A- another big thing that uh, I'm working on that folks here in Seattle might be interested in is in February. Um, people all around the world celebrate Darwin Day, and in Seattle we have a big Darwin Day celebration. Um, we bring in like a speaker. We had some guy with a bunch of insects last time. Um, and uh, there's crafts and games, and I did a led kids in a Darwin dance last year, and um, so that's usually around the middle of February. February 12th is his birthday, so that's a that's a really cool family friendly evolution oriented uh, event. And uh, um, you're, you're you're talking about a lot of stuff, so I just I don't want I don't want to get lost. Lust here too much, but like, where can people find out about, say, um, Grandmother Fish and then Clades coming out That's and a, then also thanks. Um, yeah. um, uh, the Darwin Day stuff that you're working on? Right, exactly. So, um, so it's really easy to find Grandmother Fish online. It turns out that that name was not taken <laughs> on Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus or anything or Gmail. So, Grandmother Fish uh, and um, I, uh, I, I think probably the Facebook page is the most active, but there's a lot of stuff going on on Twitter too. So just look up Grandmother Fish and follow us there, and, and that's where you'll be able to hear about Darwin Day and Clades. And I've got a website, um, you know, that uh, where people can go if they want to, you know, read my author bio and read reviews of Grandmother Fish and what have you. But the uh, it's the Facebook page and Twitter that um, people mostly use to keep in touch. Okay. Okay. Great. And 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 so and they'll be able to find out about all of that stuff there. That's great. That's great. Wonderful. Well, Jonathan, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and you. learn absolutely all the wonderful things that have been happening for you over uh, the past year. Yeah. Thanks. I think that we're all super excited for what's next for you and what you're doing, not just in the book world, but also in the video game or not video game, rock, table tabletop game world. Yep. Uh, so um, yeah, we know where you are. Please like the podcast. Tell everybody how awesome you're doing. We'll keep telling people how awesome you're doing. And hopefully Darwin Day will be this explosive like extravaganza and your Kickstarter will blow up and Clades will soon be at Ada's technical books and all these other places for people to buy. Yay. Yay. Absolutely.
All right, so uh, we always close the podcast with some misattributed quotes. So uh, we'll um, do one last little advertising round while we think, and then we'll end the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the next live episode of the Seattle After Party uh, that we have currently scheduled is September 11th with author Janine Southard. Um, She is going to be with us to talk about... uh, her new her own books as well as some of the uh the geez i'm terrible at this what's a compendium no uh, when there's a bunch of authors all in one book anthology. an anthology <laughs> <laughs> this is what i get for not writing things down beforehand um so she will be with us on september 11th to talk about that once again that'll be a noon show here on sunday september 11th here at the csz seattle theater in the back of the Atlas Clothing Store. So come on in and check that out. Also, keep keep paying attention to our Facebook page and our website, seattleafterparty.com, to find out when our episode with about the game Klask, or Klask as they wanted me to say it from Finland, uh, it will be live as well, because that we recorded that last night, uh, but with uh, some of the shows we've got coming out. Just uh, kind of got backlogged on the schedule. So make sure you do that. All right. Jakiva, back to you. Okay. So misattributed quote, I will go first. And mine is, it's more of a slogan turned quote, but whatever. It's a, I'm a big kid now. And that was said by Grandmother Fish. Aww. Aww. That's nice. She pulled herself up from the sea and is now a big kid. For those of you that wore pampers in the 90s, you'll get that. The rest of you... (laughs) Or had kids. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, Daryl. All right. um, Mine that I came up with uh, was, um, if your friends don't dance, then they're no friends of mine. And that is actually just the advertisement for the Darwin Day dances. (laughs) Ah, I'm digging it. All right. And last but not least, our very special guest, Jonathan Tweet. What is your misattributed quote? Uh, nothing is true. Everything is permitted. And uh, that's w- what a uh, permissive kindergarten teacher is telling her class as they come into class these days. Ooh. Ooh. It's Jonathan's dream world right there. Right? <laughs> so with that, we close out the podcast. And it's been another round of the CSZ, or excuse me, the After Party Podcast. Give it up for Jonathan Tweet one last time. Woo!